Oh yeah, here we go, practice acquisition. There are pitfalls throughout the entire process. Alright, alright, here we go guys. Another episode in Shark Week. We are interviewing one of my dear friends uh, and a guy that's part of a really large organization with DDS Match. And we covered a lot of great things. Um, I hope you guys are getting something out of each one of these uh, Shark Week episodes. But on this particular episode, we covered how to get uh, your, you know, get some separation between you and the other buyers, like how to differentiate yourself. We talked a, a lot about like the seller's fiduciary. The, the practice broker has a fiduciary to the seller and what that actually means. So it's really important to understand that you appreciate the, the broker or the transition, uh, the transition specialist role in it. Um, we also talked a lot of, about the prospectus and kind of like the process of the deal, this, the purpose of the prospectus in itself and what to kind of expect with all of that. Um, I think that's really, really key as you walk into these transitions. Um, just covering like the mindset of the seller as well. Like I think, I think this is such an emotional process. And so um, understanding the seller's mindset, don't miss that part of this episode. It's the end uh, because it could cost you a deal. It could, if you don't understand it. So let it get it going, Shark Week. Acquisition Uncensored, the truth when buying and selling a dental practice. And now your host, Michael Dincio. All right, let's do this. We are in the middle of Shark Week and one of my favorite times of the year, Shark Week. I don't know how many more years I've left with Shark Week. This is a lot of work, but it's so worth it because... If you're if you're if you're following along, we are going from coast to coast interviewing the best practice brokers in the country, and man, lots of golden nuggets and great things, great takeaways, things for you guys to learn. And we are now uh, in the country. We are in the middle of the country, uh, the the mountain states, if you will. Just um, left of the middle. Just left of the middle, but we we like to lump you in the middle. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're at. And I am lucky to have uh, Jeremy Keck, one of the, my good friends. We have a history in the banking world, but um, now it has uh, taken over the DDS match territory. And um, I'm lucky to have you. Jeremy, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So practice broker week, shark week. Um, let's get into it. So Colorado, the mountain mountain states, um, is a little different than the the coasts, um, but but yet it's similar too in some ways. And um, let's just get right into it. What do you think makes Colorado and the mountain states, the territories that you work in, um, a, attractive for a buyer? I mean, in a lot of ways, let's plug let's plug your region because it's a really cool place to live there. I, I used to live there. What's the attract? What's the attractiveness in your market? 
all this sunshine? Sunshine. Oh, I mean, you're we're from Ohio, Mike. We know. Um, <laughs> the the I was I've been here for 17 years almost, and uh, wasn't out here a week, and I'm like, I'm not going back to Ohio. And uh, and sunshine is a huge part of it. Um, but I mean, it you know, people are moving here from. Uh, from everywhere, you know, it's fast growing population, uh, tons of recreation, um, you know, the economy, local economy is great, um, skiing and, you know, people come from all over the world to visit Colorado. You do, you get, you do get both, you get sun, you get snow, you got mountains, you got, and and fact we had snow a couple of days ago. And then it's gone probably in one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, right? it's gone, but but it's also May almost it's, June. It's crazy. I, I, I remember living in Parker and on Friday there would be this line of cars heading up into the mountains. It's just what yeah. everybody does. You get both you get both worlds. You get the sun and you get the, the snow. So it's acceptable to take your kids out of school to like it's a legitimate excuse that we're taking them skiing. Like, of course. Teachers just sign off on it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I love that. Yeah. Dude, what we had to do to get out of school in Ohio was like, yeah, geez, yeah. you know. Hunt, um, hunting season. That's right. <laughs> tractor day. Uh, yeah. Tractor day. All right. So, no obviously, yeah. Ohio. No offense. No, yeah. No offense. We love Ohio. Go yeah. Buckeyes. Um so, okay, so pra- practice, bro. So what we've been trying to do this week is really help the listeners get in the right place for approaching a practice broker, because we've gone through this process of talking to the banks and maybe trying to find a practice organically through your own network, you know, getting demographics figured out and just really prepping the stage. But now it's like, let's talk to the practice brokers and figure out what they have to offer and what listings they might have. And we were talking about some kind of key takeaways there. Let's get into that because I think buyers have, sometimes they don't know what they're getting into when they call you guys in general and gals, gals, of course, too. So what do you think is the best way to approach a a transition specialist like yourself? Like what, what sets them, what could set them apart? I think, I think first of all, um, you know, it's not unlike hunting for a house in that talking to a bank early on in this process is critically important. You know, one of the, one of the dental lenders and so that you can come, there's a couple of reasons for that, obviously, like, you know, knowing what, what range you should be looking and what size of practice. I mean, you might have an idea in your head that you want, you know, $1.2 million practice and six or seven or eight ops and, but the banks may have a different opinion of that. So, so that's one of our, my first questions is, have you talked to the bank? Um, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to spend too much time talking about a, a certain practice if that's not going to fit. And Mike, you know, like it, you, the buyer may also have a financial situation where they can't get something too small, which seems <laughs> counterintuitive. Um, or illogical, or, but, you know, with your student loans and car payments and, um, you know, your personal expenses, you might need something a little bit bigger, you know, so the $500,000 practice won't work either. 
It's not 1.5, but it's not 500 either because that won't have enough income to kick off, um, cover your personal debt, cover their personal debts. So anyway, it's a long way of going about saying financing is is getting really really important. Getting pre-qualified if if there's such a thing, just 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 having a conversation with a decent lender. You know, I don't think that 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 point has been covered through throughout this whole episode uh, season. Getting too small of a practice, I yeah, it's such a solid point. I wasn't even covered with provide. We 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 interviewed provide. Uh, and that, that's really important because I, I've, I've noticed that like the longer that you've been out of school and practicing and making good money as an associate, you tend to have a higher standard of living, got a nicer house, got a nicer car. And that in itself would mean that you need so much cash off the practice to support your lifestyle so that totally makes sense thanks for bringing that up yeah okay so financing financing that's obviously key what else yeah i think a practice broker transition consultant whatever you say it should be very approachable like you know i i mean my my job my fiduciary responsibilities to a seller to sell their practice the only way i can do that is if i can find and build relationships with buyers Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't, it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes it, it, it's looked at as, um, or the approach is taken of, uh, a, almost adversarial, <laughs> Yes, you know, I mean, like, we call like, it a shark week for a reason. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we don't have to be the enemy. You don't um, have to be sharks. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe in like, you know, we all, we all do good by each other and that's, that's good for our, our profession and our, um, and the general community and all that stuff. So I think if you, if you approach the, uh, uh, practice brokers just with just an open mind and pleasant and happy, and it's probably going to be reciprocated. Yeah. Not always, but the good, not, broker, not, uh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the good, I think that's what you meant is like, there's definitely some folks out there that, just won't give you the time of day or if, if you haven't done certain things, like they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You know, the, the practice brokers that have the most listings have the fewest time to give. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. common sense. If you, yeah, the practice broker had a hundred listings, which would be a lot, they, they, they're not going to want to sit, sit around and chit chat all day for an hour. They yeah. want to know. No, yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's okay. Like, like it doesn't have to be. Uh, it could be ten, you know, a ten-minute quick call. You know, what are you looking for? Uh, tell me about your finances. Where are you looking? You know, what what are deal killers for you? Um, you know, that that kind of stuff, and and move on. It's it, it doesn't have to be a long conversation. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point, man. Because I feel like that's why I've had success in the buyer rep world because my clients do want to talk to me a lot about stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's my job um, to talk about the deal, talk about issues, talk about concerns, a practice broker, not necessarily they're trying to find a match. And as you talk to them, they're trying to what pair you with their listings. doesn't have to be an hour conversation. 
Well, and that's that's the thing too, Mike. Is um, one of the questions that I ask is, do you you know the financing, and then especially as you get a little bit further in, like maybe you're maybe you're looking at a prospectus and you know wanting to see further financials and things like that. Is you know who's your team? Um, and that would be someone like you and your CPA and your attorney and your lender and you know I I'm a we grew up this way, our, our professional careers, my, like I'm a firm believer in that. And that's, you know, put your team around you and they'll help you get to where you need to be. So mm-hmm. it's a great point. Yeah, no, I, uh, understand though, that there's some politics. Uh, I'm not saying this is with Jeremy, but, um, that there could be some politics too. I actually got a call where a practice broker told a buyer that they will not work with that buyer. If, that buyer is using this particular consultant. And so then the buyer called me and I called the broker and the broker blessed me <laughs> and we're, and we're on, on, on the week. way. So you Sh- definitely, shark week. Yeah, yeah, it is shark. And you, you're going to have some of that, you know, the, the yeah. folks that I interviewed are top class, top in their class. And so you, you're definitely yeah. going to have some folks <laughs> that have some politics a, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair point. Cause I know I, I, I've seen that. Um, but again, it, it, my fiduciary, I, I need to sell the practice to, yeah. to the right person, you know, make sure the patients are taken care of and the legacy and all that kind of stuff. A big part of that is everything going smoothly and on time, mm-hmm. the entire process, you know, and, and it, and in order for that to help or happen, I, hope that a buyer has a team of experts helping move them along, you know, help to insurances and credentialing and uh, all the accounting needs and um, legal entity. And, you know, there's so much stuff that goes into it. And uh, it's really hard to do on your own, especially you've been associating a few years. I think, how how do you know what to do? Yeah. Um, So it's a fair point, but it's, it's self-serving too me yeah yeah no that's great well let's 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 flip so let's let's transition so so the you mentioned the prospectus the well the print the prospectus because okay so okay so you talk to jeremy and you guys figure out what you're looking for mr buyer mrs buyer and jeremy says i got the practice for you let me send over the prospectus this is one one place that I would love a plug here on DDS Match. I feel like you guys have a really strong prospectus, just a just a, a great presentation. And I and I don't think that's one thing that's not uniform between yeah. all transition uh, specialist uh, brokers. What do you want? To, whatever. Yeah. Like, what do you think is like the, the meat and potatoes of a prospectus? And, and, and I'm kind of teeing you up here why yeah. DDS Match has done a great job. And we were talking before this episode, DDS Match is one of, if not the fastest practice brokers uh, or organizations in the country. So that's a little yeah. pl- plug for you guys. Um, but, but why are they having success? Is it because their presentation has been great is great or yeah, yeah. I, I mean the, the the presentation of it is basic marketing you know i mean it, it it's how does the it's how does the practice show before you're actually showing the practice you know um 
So, so the more you want to, you want like in my mind, you want to give enough information for the buyer, potential buyer, to say, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still really interested, or you know what, that's that's not a good fit. So, if you have enough information to help get to that point, um, then then you've probably hit it. So, uh, uh, where it is, how big it is, how many operatories. Um, what types of insurances are are uh, accepted? Is there Medicaid? Is there not Medicaid? Is it fee for service? Is it um, uh, some some financial snapshot? Mm-hmm. So um, we use. Uh, I can do evaluation. You could do evaluation, Mike. We use an independent third party uh, CPA firm for evaluations. Um, you know. There's a lot of reasons for that, but we can pull some information out of that valuation to say, here's the cash flow of the practice. Mm-hmm. So you can you can really take a look at the practice, or excuse me, the prospectus, and get a, a fair idea of what's going on mm-hmm. without having to, uh, you know, dig into tax returns and reports and, and all that kind of stuff. What what re- what procedures are kept? What procedures does this, does the doctor do? What's referred out? So oh, ortho and endo is referred out. I do ortho and endo. That's great. It's already a great practice. And then I can just keep all that in, you know, those types of things that help, um, help a doctor to, to get an idea of whether they want to continue the conversations or not. And, and I love that because it, it's not as, you know, we tend to be pretty casual in this industry with transitions. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like if you're going to buy a house, I, I'll never forget one time I worked with a, a practice broker who came right out of real estate as a, as a, like a mortgage, like a, a sorry, yeah. residential. Yeah. And he sends contracts, the contract over and he lives and dies by the dates. And it's like, we got to file an extension and oh my gosh, we're yeah, out yeah. of, we're yeah. out of contract. Like, and I'm like, bro, settle down. Like, this is a transition. This isn't, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, and so that's what I mean when I say we're casual uh, my my clients oftentimes want it to be pretty dialed in too because that gives there's yeah. definitely a place for for security of the deal but what I'm getting at here is even though it feels pretty casual through the process we've done this hundreds of times and the process is actually purpose this is a I don't even know if this is a word purposefully like you you talk to a broker you get qualified that's good you find a, you think there's a good fit. You send the prospectus. It gives you just enough information. And then my buyers always want more information, but the information that you get oftentimes is enough to make an offer, right? But it might not be the whole deal. And then you get through due diligence and stuff like that. And so um, walk me through that a little bit, because uh, I think that would really benefit the listeners is like, Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like bite-sized yeah. pieces. Yeah, I mean, my um, I would typically, sh- you know, we we have a conversation, share the prospectus. Yes, I'm interested. At that point, I'm sharing then a full value. You know, so so doctor reviews says, yeah, th- this looks like a a good opportunity for me. I'm I'm definitely interested. At that point, I'm sharing. Um, the full valuation. So a full valuation uh, is somewhere like 60 pages, something like that. So you can really dive into the numbers 
and I, you can have access to all of the, uh, the reports that I have and P&Ls and production by provider, you know, all these uh, access to all that stuff that you want so that you can take a look and um, make sure that you, you feel comfortable. And then, and then it's, and then you're going to LOI and then you're moving on to purchase agreement and, um, you know, setting a closing date and all that kind of stuff. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, that's, you just laid out beautifully what your process is. I think, I think the point to be made here is that every practice broker kind of has a process that's a little bit unique to them. Um, So yeah, you you might not give it all up front until you know that you're really interested. Some practice brokers don't even have prospectuses and they send you all of the tax returns and say, you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the other extreme of it, right? Okay, and so yeah, yeah. And so and so everybody kind of has their way about this process and that, that could that is actually frustrating for a lot of buyers. I think that that does play into a little bit of what DDS match does, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's if I were to just dump it all on you and say, you know, here's a Dropbox file of um Tax returns, and if they're, and I would imagine, then they're probably not organized either. Like tax return here, and yeah. you know, here production reports up here, like everything's all the schedule. You're to, yeah, you're trying to figure out where everything is. Oh, it's a mess. So, so uh, you know, all the more reason if, if it were that situation, all the more reason that they need uh, someone like you, Mike, or um, and, and the lenders, and you know, you have to have a team. Absolutely. Have to have a team to, to sort through it. Sort through it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, let's flip to the seller psychiatry or psychology. Let's, let's flip to the seller's brain. Okay. Okay. Um, As they, as they approach a deal, what what are they thinking? Cause uh, like, I think that's really important that we discuss a lot. And, and unfortunately through shark weekend, we haven't really, really dug into that. And I think it's, one of the most important things because there's two people on the other side, buyers are scared. Sellers have their expectations. Like where's the seller coming from? How would you describe a seller walking into a transition? I, I, I think a lot of my counterparts would say that um, we act as, as therapists to the seller. Um, I mean, like, you know, it's their legacy um, you know, they're worried about staff, they're, they're, the staff that's been with them for a long time. Uh, they're worried about their patients. Uh, they're worried about their name. They're worried about what they're going to do next. Um, <laughs> you know, I know, I know they want to, you know, they want to travel and play golf or, you know, w- whatever it is that they want to do. All that's in your mind, but man, you've been going to work every day, all day for, you know, the last 30 years or whatever. And, Maybe you started your practice from scratch or maybe you bought it, but um, it's a, it's a big emotional uh, event. And then, uh, you know, this is, this is where like uh, I would, I would say for a buyer and we say this to sellers that uh, the negotiation um, don't, don't get too emotional about it. You know, you can see it on either side. People, it's not, it's nothing personal. You know, yeah. seller wants to sell it for as much as they can. 
buyer wants to buy it for as little as they can. <laughs> somehow you have to meet somewhere in there and, and, and it can get, it can get emotional. So a lot of it is, um, you know, they're, they're scared. They're uh, excited. There's, you know, there's just so much of their life is going to change. Uh, and then they, you know, the money is really important. Um, yeah. And so $10,000 is a lot of money for well, both sides. Something that something you just said, I think even though the buyers are emotional, I think they're emotional for a different reason. They're emotional because they're afraid they're going to fail or they haven't owned a business and they're insecure about that. Why this, uh, talk about that? Why? Well, you just did. The sellers are emotional because it's their baby. So $10,000 to you is like a business deal yeah. for the buyer. Just try to get the best deal. And to the seller, it's their literally you're chipping away at their legacy. Oh, yeah. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. Totally <laughs> like attacking different. them personally. <laughs> That's right. Um uh the if you look at it, 10 grand to the buyer. This is where I say, like, don't to a buyer, I would suggest uh don't get too emotional. Don't don't let your ego get in the way. Don't um, walk away from something that 10 grand, you know, when you're spending 700,000 and you're putting it over a 10 year term or 12 year, or 50, you know, whatever it Even might be. Even 15, yeah. 15 years, you know, it's minuscule difference. A filling, um, half a filling. You know, yeah. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, Often, and we do the same thing when you're buying a car or a house or anything else. You're, you, you know, you, if you're a competitive person, there's a win factor to it that um, can often get in the way. But yeah, it, it, you're right. You're coming from two totally different places. Yeah, yeah. I, I think but, that's but, Mike, yeah. But but yeah. Some of that I think is what you said, which is maybe insecure um, or, or not insecure, but the confidence in will I succeed and uh, how fast will I succeed? And, and, and if you're, if you're acquiring a practice, where do you build your, where do you get confidence from? You know, like you've never done it before. So how do you know you can do it? And, mm -hmm. and I think you can draw a lot of confidence from um, people like you that would say, I've done this. I can help you. I can move you through this process. I've seen it over and over and over. And if you listen to these things, this is how we can make it smoothest transition possible. Mm -hmm. um, but the other part is the bank. So, uh, you know, we used to talk about like, who cares behind the doctor? Who cares the most about the success of the practice? So doctor cares the most. Mm -hmm. Second most is the bank. Because if I give you 700 grand, need you to be able to pay me back. And so I, I think a buyer can build a lot of confidence or draw a lot of confidence from the fact that they got approved for the loan. And I can guarantee you the bank didn't just say, you know, maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't. Let's give them 700 grand. Like they're doing their due diligence and the, the numbers and the, and the finances to make sure that it works. So I think you can yeah. draw confidence. You got to draw confidence from everywhere you can. And that's a good place to draw confidence. That, that's key. Yeah, that's key. Um, a hundred percent. That's, that's great. I, I, you're talking about like these, 
emotional decisions. Um, $10,000 was your example. I, I remember a, a deal that I was working here in the Northwest and ironically the doctors in Colorado these days he ended up doing a startup, but the deal fell apart the day, the day before closing over $2,000. It was a one point something million, $6 million yeah. deal. He had his house packed up on a U-Haul moving to Washington. The deal yeah. fell apart over something really stupid with the lease. And we're going to cover lease uh, later, but it, it's so true. Like you, you got to look at the big picture uh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I w- Can you think of a story, Jeremy, of all the years of, of silly mistakes that kill deals right at the finish line over emotion. Can you think of anything? I, I, some of our best episodes have been just talking about war stories and I bet you, you have a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I always, that stuff is, you know, there's, there's a million of those stories. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it as well. Um, I think, uh, if you had to, if, cause I've, I've made big life decisions with my career and, um, and I know you did too, Mike, when we were, when we were coming through early on, um, you know, moving to another place or taking a position that was, was brand new to us. And I, I think that, uh, if you had, for me, if I had to dig down and truly you know i can make all these excuses of why i didn't do it it was a thousand dollars at the last minute or two grand and you know i can't believe this or you know something um something with the lease that the landlord isn't going to do something that they you thought they were going to do a lot of times you know a lease can get in the way and Mm -hmm. um but you know i would ask like for me it was you know i was scared to do it yeah and I, i could make a million what seem like legitimate excuses of not going through with with career choices that I've made or whatever and and what I've seen from buyers but I guarantee a lot of it comes down to getting cold feet yeah what do you think in all the transitions that you've been a part of what do you think that one of the greatest risks of a failure and and I don't really mean default yeah I I hate this would be my soapbox for a minute. I hate when people talk about default rates. We were in the banking world. Default rates are crazy low and you're, you're never going to fail. 99% people don't default. But I I think success and not defaulting are two different things. Yeah. (laughs) Just because you can make your loan payment doesn't mean you're successful. It's a level Level of success. Yes. To, to me, a lot of my stuff's clinical for them is the business stuff can be figured out, worked out, but in in your mind uh, now representing sellers, like what do you think would be a, you know, the, the greatest risk of a, of a, of a tough transition? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so staff and patient, you know, so staff turning over and, patient attrition um 
you know, so, uh, you know, I think, I think understanding as best you can, um, upfront how, like, and I know this is, this is more clinical stuff, but recall and, um, you know, those kinds of things that, that are in place currently that maybe need tweaked or, um, or completely redone, or, you know, a lot of doctors don't do any marketing. Um, and so you just, you come in, the, the, the website is either non-existent or poor, and maybe you're not doing a, a letter to the patients and you're not rebranding and um, you don't have a program for keeping patients and you don't have a program for new, new patient outreach and you don't have social media. And, um, you know, and then, and then maybe in, in your due diligence, you didn't uh, explore like really what, what opportunities are in this is clinical, but what within the practice of ortho being referred out or endo being referred out, those kinds of things. And so you keep it status quo, you know, your level of success is going to be status quo, whatever that was, I'm going to make 180 grand a year, or 250 or whatever it is. But if you pay attention to all those things, you can go from making 250 to 300 to 350. And uh, that's, that's what I think. So it, uh, but, Patient attrition, I think, is is probably number one, and number two would be staff turnover, and a lot of times that staff turnover could be as a result of the way the doctor, the new doctor, is treating them. So, <laughs> you know, understanding like it's not you know when you when you meet the selling doctor, you know how how the selling doctor treats patients is is very very important. Um, so if you, so you can see if you align clinically, but how they treat their staff is is a critical question. Um, yeah. You know, to be discussing to try to understand are, are you going to be a, a good fit from a manager perspective? Yeah. No, it's that that transition plan. I mean, I mean, I talk a lot about that with my clients is having a sound transition plan that. Um, you know, embodies uh, the spirit of stepping in, trying not to create too many waves. Sometimes you do got to yeah. make change. Uh, I will say, uh, uh, just because I have an opportunity, making no changes is not the answer either. I think right. a lot of us, like professionals in the industry, love to tell buyers, "Don't make too many, don't make changes," and they're scared. They're so scared to make any changes. Um, that they, they feel like the whole business is going to blow up. I've, I've had buyers go in and make a ton of changes and because of effective communication and great leadership, it was totally cool. Yeah. But that's an extreme. You don't have to be extreme about no, don't make any changes and make a ton of changes. Like remember your transition plan because there's opportunities in that transition plan. There's bad practice management. There's lots of things that we found during that due diligence that uh, you might need to change. It's how you change yeah. is the question. Yeah. I, th I think a lot of buyers just, they're so scared to make any changes. They just keep running the business the way it was. And it wasn't so great in a lot of different yeah. ways. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a takeaway there, but um, very cool. Well, as we kind of wind up this episode, we've we touched so much and, and made some notes here. Final comments, like if if you had an opportunity, Jeremy, just to 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 
to, to tell the audience who who's primarily buyers, you yeah. know, key takeaways, things that you would really want to stick to summarize this episode for you, what would that be? Yeah. So it, lending. Lending. Um, that, that's that's a big one. I, not to beat a dead horse, but you know, it, it would it would really suck to go look at million dollar houses and find out you can only afford six hundred grand or four hundred grand. <laughs> you know, like that's a big difference. And and so, if, um, understanding where you are from a, a lendability uh, standpoint is critically important. Um, the other is get a team around you. Um, and, and I know, uh, I know there are people that take advantage of doctors and, um, and so you, so you, you as, as, as a dentist have to be skeptical of, uh, uh, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but, um, of the advice that you're getting. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a healthy level of skepticism. Get the right team around you. Do your due diligence on the on the on your team, and then listen to their to their advice, and then you make the decision. Mm. Um, not everybody is out to get you, and so uh, if you put the right people in place, um, then then you will have success for sure. Yeah, I love those two points, uh, especially the second. I I think a lot of docs have. S- a negative skepticism and they don't hire people. And then that results in uh, costing them thousands of dollars. Yeah, I just yeah. worked with a buyer I, just a minute ago. The seller didn't hire, hasn't hired anybody on their team yet. And we're through the LOI. And I'm telling you that their attorney is about to get an LOI because she, she had no representation through that LOI. Their attorney's like, you agreed to this? It's because my client had me and they and they're just trying to yeah. and ultimately they're trying to save a thousand bucks to get yeah. some some help on the LOI. Yeah. And ultimately that's going to result in a maybe a ten thousand dollar swing just right there. Yeah. So to yeah. your point, like you definitely have a healthy skepticism. I love that's my favorite yeah. thing too. That's great. Yeah. And then, and you know, we had a we sold a practice and a buyer, um, you know, like he was truly like, I, I, I really believe he felt like everybody was trying to get him. And so he was just constantly, it was almost like a, a episode of uh, one of those, I don't know, like Survivor or something like that, where you're making a fake alliance over here to, you know, with a, with a CPA to <laughs> change the numbers on the offer and because of this, and then you're working the attorney and then you're working me and you're working the seller and, um, and everybody, and see right through it um and then you know once the transition actually happens and you know you've bur- burnt a lot of goodwill not patient goodwill not the goodwill that we normally talk about with uh with yeah. the transition but yes. goodwill with all, everybody around you that you know okay now you're in seeing patients and it's your it's your practice and you have a question about whatever <laughs> who wants to help you you know because you, you know so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's quality takeaway, Jeremy. Thanks so much, man. We're just as all as always, folks. We got all of Jeremy's uh, contact information below in the show notes. Um, if you're trying to get a hold of him or you're looking for a practice in his neck of the woods, you got to talk to him and, and, and see what he's got available. 
Um, and as always, my friend, great, great chatting with you. And thanks for giving back yeah, to too, the Mike. industry. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Thanks for having me. All right, my man. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll catch Take you on care. the flip side. Thanks, Mike. Tune in next time for another truth-filled episode of Acquisition Uncensored. We want to hear from you. Interact with your host, Michael Dincio. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Comment and subscribe.